is Nuance, and I'm Mike Scholar, joined as always by Jay Carter, also known as Timid, the hip hop MC and the chair of BLM Tokyo. What's going on, Jay? Hey, you know what it is? Early morning. Now it's uh, getting a little chilly, so you can see the sweater. Yeah, it's actually very nice here in New York. It was cold and rainy, and then all of a sudden it's like summer came back. So we're, we're cherishing it while we have it. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Can't. Uh, I don't understand cold weather. It makes no sense whatsoever. Well, we've got a very special guest with us this week. We have Carl Pereira, who is a transportation advocate. So it's very appropriate to have him on coming out of the rally that we just did, which we will talk about. He's also the transportation chair of the Our Neighbors Civic Association of Ozone Park. How are you, Carl? Doing good today. Doing good. Yeah, it's good to have you. And I do want to talk about the rally. I know you had some thoughts. You watched the video, actually a few videos of it that went on Facebook and YouTube. For those who haven't, after this is done, you're free to check it out. But first, Jay, I think you had a story about William Shatner. Um, yeah. So, I mean, William Shatner, we all know, uh, most of them know. I don't know about you. Do you know Captain Kirk, Mike? I know it's not really your thing, but. Uh... Yes, I know Captain Kirk. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he he famously went up into space. I don't know if it was last year or when it was, but he was able to fulfill a dream of going up into space, and um, and he, he expected to go up there and get this awe-inspiring experience of oh my God, we're all so connected, everything is amazing, um, and you know he even uh, was quoted as saying that. Um, uh, I don't know if you remember the movie with Jodie Foster. I forgot the name of it. Maybe it was Contact, where when she first went up into space, she looked at the at the Earth and and said, "Oh my God, they should have sent a poet because it was just such this amazing experience." But he had the opposite reaction. He said going to space felt like a funeral, mm-hmm. so that he he went up there and he looked out and just all this emptiness and this cold viciousness of space, and he said he felt immense grief. Because then you look down at Earth and like in contrast to that, that's where the warmth was. That's where the safety, that's where the people and the beauty and nature and all like that was. And so to, to see what was happening to it due, due to like human interference and in the wars and then climate and all this and that that we're doing. And species are dying that took billions of years to evolve and they're dying off and being extinct because of things that we're doing. He had this this feeling of grief and, um, you know, he said it was like a funeral, like it gave him a different perspective. And apparently it's not uncommon for for even astronauts to have the same perspective. Right. I was going to say, you would think no matter what you took away from it, it would be for perspective changing. Almost by definition, it has to be. Right. I mean, what an awesome experience to have. And, you know, I'm sure we internalize a lot of things and maybe being out there confronts or or brings out some of the stuff that we have inside some of our innermost thoughts and feelings on it. But it would have to give you a different perspective because you're looking at Earth in a whole new way. And I would think it would make you feel smaller. You know, you're looking back at the Earth like it's a pebble. And here you are. I mean, maybe makes your your life feel kind of insignificant. I guess that's depressing. Yeah. Uh, He said, um, he said he felt like, you know, when he when he saw it, like that, you know, we look up the sky and whatnot, and you see the stars and everything. You think, oh, that, that's beautiful. But then when he was up there and there was just nothing around, he's like, he realized that the beauty wasn't up there, that the beauty was down here. 
That's deep. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully gives them a better appreciation for life. It should give us all better appreciation for this life that we have, this earth that we're on for such a short period. You know, we got to make the most of it and not just for ourselves, but for the future generations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you are interested in taking a, a tourist trip to space after that glowing review? I don't know, Carl. What do you think? Would you get into a spaceship? Not yet, not yet. <laughs> I got to work out a few kinks first. <laughs> yeah. Well, we do have an astronaut who is from right here in Ozone Park, who will be honored this coming Sunday. In fact, the Ozone Park Block Association, along with the Ozone Park Howard Beach Woodhaven Lions Club, is going to present their first annual awards gala this Sunday, October 16th at 12.30 p.m. at the Roma View. 16005 Cross Bay Boulevard and Howard Beach. Let me see if I can put this flyer up on the screen for those watching the video right now. You tell me if this works. There it is. So Dr. Charles Camarda will be an honoree at this event along with US Congress member Nydia Velasquez. So maybe we can get Charles thoughts on this, what perspective did he have or did his perspective change as a result of his experiences? Right. Yeah. So call him up. Get him get him on the show. Call NASA, whoever you need to call. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm actually sponsoring this event. I happen to be a founding member of the Block Association as it was revitalized, as well as a charter member of the Lions Club. So I'm happy to be involved in this and help out this community effort. And it should be a good afternoon this coming Sunday. So it's a good cause. The information is, is there. If anyone can attend, I would recommend doing so. And, you know, you get a chance to meet an astronaut. That's pretty cool. Most of us won't ever be in space. So to talk to someone who has those experiences is all we could do, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's what's up. Well, I want to get to the rally in a second that we just did. But before we do, I also wanted to mention this past Sunday was also the Italian feast in Howard Beach. And they closed off a few blocks of Cross Bay Boulevard. I think it was really cool to have all those vendors out there. They had live music. So you had Italian music. You had food you can get outside. Of course, you can go into the restaurants. I went to Bruno's. It's always very nice. And it was a celebration of Italian heritage. This is all Italian Heritage Month. So it's, it's good. It's a good celebration. Uh, you know, good culture, good food, good music. You can't go wrong with Italian food, if you ask me. And I love some Italian food sauces yeah someone's giving me a hard time that I'm, I'm not big on cheese i said my family comes from southern italy we do a lot of seafood so we do the clam sauces and all that kind of stuff you don't need to put cheese on that mm. yeah I'm, I'm these days i don't do so much cheese either yeah for me it's not even about health to be honest it's just i don't enjoy the taste especially as it conflicts in my opinion with some of those seafood flavors. I think the seafood is good enough to not have to put the cheese on top of it. Yeah, I agree with that. Seafood sauce is better without cheese. But my wife likes it with cheese for some reason. But she, she, she likes clam sauce with cheese? Yeah, she puts cheese on all Italian sauce. Meanwhile, me, I, I can't put cheese on on any type of any type of seafood. Yeah, no, I don't do it either. I don't, yeah. you don't, you don't need it. To me, it's just, it's, it's a clash. It doesn't go. <laughs> But Jay, you actually made a good cottage cheese lasagna, was it? I remember at your house once. Right. It was, it. Uh, 
right? That was good. And that's not usually what an Italian would do. Like I never had that before in my life, but I tried it and it was actually good because it was different. It was kind of right. on the sweeter side. Right. It's um yeah. So instead of ricotta, I used cottage cheese. Um and it was my grandmother's recipe because she wasn't a big fan of of ricotta because it was just too thick and and whatnot. And so she used cottage cheese, so we'd make spinach and cheese lasagna with with ricotta. I mean, with um, cottage cheese instead of ricotta, and then of course cheddar on 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 top. But yeah, so it's a little bit different. Vladimir in the chat says cheese just makes everything better, in my opinion. A lot of people feel that way. Yeah, no, no. I mean, I I definitely get it. Cheese can be wonderful. Um, some of it can be, you know. I tell you what, I, I want to choke somebody out if they put gorgonzola on my plate. <laughs> James in the chat says, funny, I don't like most fish and seafood, but I love cheese. So, yeah, so here come the cheese lovers, Jay. <laughs> I think they outnumber us, quite honestly. I think they're going to get the better of, this, of us in this war. Yeah, I mean, I was a big cheese. I was a big, big cheese eater when I was younger. Um, just not so much these days. Well, to each his own. I do want to get to the main event. I guess you can call it here. We want to talk about transportation and the rally that we had. Carl, you are involved in the Our Neighbors Civic. So if you want, you can tell us a little bit about the Civic and what you do there. I know you're the transportation chair, so you advocate for transportation within the Civic? Uh, yeah, like any type of transportation. I've just been chair, you know, a few months now. And um, it was a position, I guess, Joe Carolina appointed me to. And... Uh, Basically, uh, any type of uh, issue, it doesn't only involve transit, it could involve uh, what do you call street, street changes like directions and uh, if, um, you know, there's potholes and any, or uh, people need, uh, there's always seniors that need help with it, with, have accessibility questions, and I'll try to get them a phone number or something like that. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just started up. So basically, um, I was, uh, we were talking about I was thinking about some handicapped accessibility for some of the train stations, like Rockaway Boulevard's going to become handicapped accessible. We were thinking about the conduit station aqueduct, but right now there's some construction going on. So uh, we're going to wait till the construction's over. There's some houses being built near the station right now. Uh, but that might be a good, a good station to make handicapped accessibility in the future. You know, the, southern, uh, the northern end of the north conduit station on along uh, Portree Street. But we're going to wait because right now there's some, uh, you know, those green, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, construction fences are up around, around, right around the station now. So it wouldn't be a good idea right now. So when that work is done in about two years, we'll, we'll look into that because that was the idea that Joe Carolina had. There's also some other issues that I I, I was going to bring up at, at the last meeting, but there was a problem with Zoom. And some, uh, one of my my wife's brother, uh, sister-in-law, she noticed that, you know, the station, the elevated stations in Ozone Park, the A train by Rockaway Boulevard, Hudson Street. When they uh, redesigned the stations there, they, um, what do you call it? They put an artwork, which is very nice. But when they put the artwork in, they left a lot of open spaces. So when it rains and snows, it causes, uh, uh, what do you call it? The station platform to come covered with snow. People got to run to other parts of the station to avoid getting wet. So it's something uh, I'm also looking into trying to rectify with the uh, Civic and the MTA and so on. Okay. So, now, what would you do with that? Just try to close up those spaces? 
yeah, we're going to try to, uh, I'm going to bring it up in the next meeting and then try to send a letter to the MTA to take a look at that and try to close up those, those uh, whatever they have to do. They have to retrofit those, the artwork because there shouldn't be any open spaces. Even a little open space, there's a lot of rain coming in, a lot of snow coming in and people are like, my, my, uh, it's my brother-in-law's wife. He told me that, you know, a sister or whatever, or, you know, depends on, but um, she told me that it's very dangerous. Yeah, no, absolutely. Especially as the winter is upon us, you winter definitely want to make sure, awesome. right? People can be protected from the elements. Yeah. Now, did you also have an issue with uh, addresses in Ozone Park? You were trying, or zip codes? Was it you were trying to correct the discrepancy? I am still working on that, uh, looking at correcting the zip codes too, maybe in the future. Yeah, the I think they're the Brooklyn and Queens borderline. Yeah, there's something going on with zip codes. In other words, um, the um, along the borderline of Brooklyn and Queens, the um, one post office takes both sides of the street because I guess it's more convenient for the post office, but it does cause some some issues when you want to call the police precinct. You don't know whether to call Queens or, or Brooklyn. In other words, so for example, I'll go, it starts by Jamaica Avenue and Woodhaven. Both sides of Elbert's Lane are in the Woodhaven Post Office. But if you're on the west side of Elbert's Lane and you want to call the police, you, a lot of people don't know who to call. Do I call Brooklyn? Do I call Queens? I zip so Woodhaven. So to clarify this point, you're saying because their post office is Queens, they think that they live in Queens and they're calling the Queens precinct? Right. And sometimes they got to call the Brooklyn precinct. And there's a lot of confusion going on. Sometimes with EMS, there's confusion. With, with, so yeah, this is something um, I'll probably be bringing up in the future, too. Okay. That's always been an issue along the border there. Probably with the Block Associates, too. I'll work together with both groups. Yes, group. no, definitely. Collaboration there is definitely needed. It goes all the way down to Woodhaven, to Ozone Park. It's like both sides of the street are on the even. There's even one part of Elvis Lane where um, it's in Queens, but Brooklyn from 95th Avenue on Long Elvis Lane, from Atlantic to 95th Avenue, there's one block of Elvis Lane. So the east side of the street is in the Brooklyn Post Office, but it's actually in Ozone Park. So those, these are type of issues. So you can take right. a look at that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you definitely want to make it convenient for the post office, but you also don't want to cause a situation which seems to be happening where people can be inadvertently endangered because they don't know where they are. The EMS or the police precinct, they want to, uh, the police precinct might get a little confused too. Right, it gets confusing. And that's always been an issue with those three precincts at the border of Queens and Brooklyn. You got the 75, of course, in Brooklyn, then the 102 and the 106 on the Queens side. And it's almost like a no man's land between the three. And sometimes people who are looking to cause trouble take advantage of that. And they're running between the precincts knowing that the communication isn't great between them. Yeah, so I'll sit work with the Black, Black Association. Maybe also, um, it also involves city lines. So probably the other group there uh, with city lines, civilian patrol there in that area. Cop CP. They probably also need to be involved in. Yes, yes, they do. Well, if you need any help facilitating this, I'm in touch with all these organizations. I represent Cop CP as their attorney. So, whatever you need, let me know. One day, yeah. Okay. So, excellent. So you're doing a lot of good work with that uh, civic. Shout out to Joe Caruana and our neighbors. When is their next meeting? Says the first Tuesday of every month. Yes, the first Tuesday of each month. Okay. And they moved. They're in a new location now, right? New location, American Legion on 101st Avenue uh, near 96, 92nd Street. I don't have the exact person in my head. But, there you um, go. So speaking of transportation, oh, he's, got, you get, he's getting the flyer, he says? I got the flyer with the exact address. Okay. So as Carl gets the flyer, 
Oh, here we go. 9111 101st Avenue. 9111 101 Avenue. Okay. And that's going to be the first Tuesday of the month. month. Okay, yeah. so let's get the date. The first? Yes, November 1st, right? I, yeah, November 1st would be the first Tuesday. Okay. So speaking of transportation issues, we just did the rally for the Queens Link. Now, I know, Carl, you've been a big supporter of the Queens Link, or before that, of course, known as the Queens Rail, or just the Rockaway Beach Line. And I thought it was a really good turnout. I had the pleasure of emceeing the event. We had a lot of speakers. What I really liked about it was the unity we saw throughout the Rockaway community and the coalition that we were able to build. This wasn't just a Western Rockaway issue. You had both council members there. You had both assembly members there. You had the state senators soon to represent the entire peninsula. You had the youth there from different schools. So you had a very broad coalition and everyone came out speaking for this asset, this unused rail asset that's been out of service since 1962. We're all saying, hey, bring it back or at least give us a proper study on this so that we could move forward with the project and deliver better transportation to the people of Queens. So what was your thought watching the video? I know you couldn't make it on Sunday, but you did get to see the video. Yeah, I saw the video and I'm going to give a little history. I've been advocating for this. I guess it started in approximately 1978. Mm -hmm. There was a group called the Committee for Better Transit and they had something uh, and the president, former president, he's now passed away. Uh, Stephen DeBrow, this was his main caveat. He really wanted to get that line reactivated. And then um, if you go ever go to the website, Regional Rail Working Group, they they sort of incorporated all information that Steve had from that group, the Committee for the Transit. And they had they originally came out with the Apple Corridor, which is, you know, the Regional Rail Working Group is from Georgia Palace. And again, the centerpiece of that, that, group's, that group's mission as well is to reactivate the Rockwood Beach Line. So I've been involved with those two groups for, for the longest period. And then, then it, it, it transferred into the future to Queens Public Transit meeting where we used to all meet uh, and try to advocate for this. And now, now we got the new group, group the, uh, which originally Queens Rail and Queens Link. And um, yeah, so I, I was listening to everybody's comments in the video and it seems, you know, we want, I, I know a lot of people are interested in the environment and, and all the good, uh, you know, and, um, those type of issues about how to use parkland and this and that. But uh, like when we, I think the confusion is, is uh, I know on the Queens, like we said, we wanted like a, a rail and a park. And I, you know, I, I thought maybe if there's gonna be a park, how much of a, you know, you the, the line is already in Forest Park. It's already adjacent to a park. So I, I j just thought it was some sort of excuse to to stop the, the rail line. But I said, if they want a park, maybe like, some type of jogging path along along the rail line or or a bicycle path, um, but the, when but when I came up with it when I saw the Queensway proposal in the paper for thirty five million, I saw the Metro Hub, I saw a whole bunch of amenities they were placing, which to me just looked like a bunch of obstacles where it could be placed anywhere within Forest Park didn't need to be placed exactly at those locations. So you know we we don't want Parkland to be used to stop one project from proceeding, and um, that, that's where I am. I'm for open space and parkland. But like I said, you go south of um, south of Metropolitan Area in the Home Depot, that's the beginning almost of Forest Park. And you have a nice berm there. So I guess they want to take down the berm and, and, and put those amenities between Metropolitan Area and Union Turnpike. But if you take down the berm, you at the same time, they're doing taking down the berm. And, and we don't have our project starting yet. 
it's going to be more difficult to, to do tunneling, if you, even if you want to put a tunnel south of Metropolitan Avenue or whatever. Right. Uh, all, the, all those other things that you want to do are more expensive than just using the berm part. You know, you may have to read if you want to just use the current alignment. And, uh, you know, we. Right. Can, I think you hit on something important there, Carl, because. I don't know if it was a good idea to advocate for both under the Queensland. That's all I'm saying. Not because I, I don't agree with both, but because we were just hoping just for like a bicycle path along the line or. Right. Path, but I don't well, I'm actually, I'm, I'm with you on that point as well. I just think that it's telling that when one group, the Queens Link, is saying, hey, listen, we could compromise here. We could do both. There's plenty of room to have a train and also park space like they've done in other cities, trails with rails, rails with trails. They've done that before and they keep doing it around the world. But the Queens Way folks, the park only folks are saying, no, they don't want to compromise. They don't want the train. They want a park really within a park, as you said. To me, that suggests that a lot of people just don't want the train. And that might be more of a priority for them than getting the park because they do already have plenty of park space. Now, again, the Queens Link and myself, we're not against more park space, but we don't want it at the expense of the train. So the way I've always looked at this is focus on transportation. Make that the priority. Don't allow any new park designs to compromise our ability to get that train. But once the train plan is in place and once you know what you're doing, the engineering is completed and all that kind of thing, now you can look at, all right, how much space is left over and what do communities along the right-of-way want? I mean, make it a community issue. Like, like the, all of this should be done with the public support. If we're getting a train and there's open space remaining, okay, like you said, do a, do a bike path underneath it or around it or wherever. I mean, there's room to do both, but just don't do it in a stupid way. And to me, a stupid way is designing this park that's going to block the train access, like you said, which I think is really the underlying agenda of a lot of these advocates. That's why when they say land is going to be held for transit, we can't really trust that or take that at its word when we know the people pushing this park plan are expressly trying to block the train. Right. Yeah, that's my feeling. So, so we need to see it at this table. I mean, and that's really why we did the rally. We need to engage the public, get the public invested in this, show that it's a political issue. Obviously, we sent the letter to the mayor and the governor with all those signatures from 15 elected officials and two community boards. And that's great. But, you know, a letter can be ignored. I think you do need to put the pressure on and make it a very public thing and ask people around the borough and around the city, how would you use this asset? I mean, this isn't a politician's line. I mean, this is the people's. The city of New York owns it, meaning the people of New York own this asset. So the people should decide what is done with it. And I really strongly feel that if you were to ask most people around the city what should be done with this, they're going to say transportation. We need better transportation. I mean, a park is great, but you got to be able to even get to the park. Who's going to be able to enjoy this park when you have most of Queens cut off from the rest of South Queens cut off from the rest of the city? As Rick Horan mentioned, Recently, to get from South Queens to Central Queens now by trail by by a rail, you got to go do Manhattan. That makes no sense. Really, that's that's crazy. Right now, the MTA is looking at uh, the. I see the funding came through. Now they're doing an EISRK on that other line, the the Brooklyn Queens line. Yeah, IBX. IBX. Is that an EIS they're doing now on that? See, I didn't see the EIS, but I would think they would need to, right? Yeah. Well, I know they're doing. Uh, the, that's the. Thing they're working on right now on the, on the website, MTA website. But uh, yeah, so I guess we need them to push the, you know, the, the Queens link too. So I'm just saying, uh, how do you how do you make the, the board the board members of the MTA allocate more funding for the for right? And you know, people. Well, I shouldn't say people. I should, I should specify 
those who are against the Queens Link or the Rockwood Beach Line say, they love to say this, that the MTA has no interest in the project. The MTA is studying it as part of their 20 needs plan, but the bottom line is this is a political issue. We need a champion. The governor of New York championed the IBX and that's why it got pushed forward. And so we need the governor. We need people like that, people who can call these shots. And the mayor, quite frankly, because it's, it's the, in the case of the Rockway Beach Line is owned by the city of New York, as opposed to the IBX, which I believe was all MTA property. The mayor has to weigh in on this also, and the mayor has to know the ramifications. Yes, these are political ramifications. The mayor's base was Southeast Queens. Well, all of Southeast Queens and all of the Rockaways are demanding that transit be considered here. So let's take this seriously. I mean, but, but it's incumbent on us to make that a reality, to manifest that. Because like I said, most people I believe would agree with us, but we have to energize them. We have to galvanize them. We've got to make this more of a public issue. So we need to do more events around the city. I mean, this can't be a, a one and done, but I think it was a great start and a great way to get that momentum going, get that ball rolling and show. To me, it's hard to ignore. It should be hard to ignore. If you're the mayor or you're the governor or you're the MTA, looking at this rally, looking at the response we got, looking at the unity, you know, Rockaway is one of the most segregated places in the city. And we were so united on this to have every Rockaway elected official say, we want this train or at least this transit line to be studied properly. I think that's a great start and that should be very telling. Jay, I see you nodding. Any thoughts? No, I, I agree with you, absolutely. Um, like you said, even just, just having all those elected officials uh, together in agreement should send a, a message up to, you know, the mayor and, and those who can have uh, that kind of uh, Im influence or impact on that decision and say like, okay, well, look, obviously there is this kind of interest in, in this area. So we need to actually take this seriously. But I think we... We did touch on it once before in a conversation that something like this is such a big project that by time it's completed, that whoever greenlights it will be out of office. And so it might not help their political career in the interim. And so some people might be thinking in the short term in that way, like, oh, well, you know, it's not really a priority because I can't get that win right now, so to speak. Right. And it might be easier in terms of just the timeline to put another park inside of a park. Right. But you know what, if you were to announce, let's say the governor and the mayor came out and, and just announced their support for this and, and they got the ball rolling, it doesn't have to be completed in their term. They would still get credit for it now. We would all celebrate them now if they said they support this and if they got moving on it. I mean, just, you know, the fact that they were champions of it, just like the governor's a champion of the IBX. I think that would be seen as a win and that would be politically advantageous in this part of the city, certainly. Yeah, you'd think so. Well, one thing I was worried about is when I heard the uh, other a few elected officials say that they supported the Queens Lake plan. What I just felt that, but they also supported transit. I felt in a way they didn't realize that the amenities that they were putting in the in the, in the metro hub, all those you know, I can't remember them right now. It was in the all the uh, what do you call it, the school and education outside and all batting cages and all those other things, that those things sound like they're great things, but those things, to put a rail line in later on after all those things are in the ground, why why would you want to support that if that's going to stop the rail line? I don't think they realize that they could, what how much of an obstacle it is. They just think, they, they really don't have the knowledge, the engineering knowledge to know that it is 
that is a big obstacle once those things are implanted in the ground. Right. Absolutely. It becomes right. a different same way low Atlantic Avenue. That's it. And they have the school buses parked there. That's sort of an obstacle too. We have to have, have that moved and all that. So these are things that uh, you know are have to be worked out, you know. so right. you can see how long it takes to get to move. Right. And it is a little bit naive to say I support the park in one spot and the train in another spot. I mean, the train needs that entire line to be able to get through. Uh, like I said, they can work in conjunction, but you do need to design it in such a way that they will. That needs to be deliberate. They can't just be able to build a park now and worry about the train later. And that's right. really what's happening now. That's what we're seeing now. The more things you put there, the more things you're going to move. Like, you know, right. to implement, implement that, then, then some people have to move. I think I know there's some repair shops on there. They have to find new locations. Under the L, the ones that are renting from the EDC, the, the bus company, they have to move certain parts of their facilities. Right. And then if you have to move something later, then you got another fight. Now it's like, and oh, you, they're trying to take something more, away from us. It's more difficult because now you got more stuff to move than before. Right. And you know the city hates cutting down trees. I mean, if the fight becomes, let's tear up part of a park, even temporarily, to build this train line. You know, it's it makes it much more difficult politically and practically to get that done, and it, obviously it inflates the cost even more. It just and I, and I think that a lot of the people who are pushing the Queensway know that, and they're doing that on purpose. And I think they're telling people who are naive, and some are new to elective office, and you know whatever the case may be, they're telling them, "Hey, don't worry about it. This, this is not going to affect the train." They're saying, "Let's just give us the park now. Don't worry about the train." And it's kind of like you know, to me, it's like. They're just like winking and they're almost like high-fiving then high-fiving themselves thinking we just tricked this person into supporting the, the park plan and telling them you don't worry about the train now. Yeah, but we'll be worrying about it later. Yeah. And once it's once it's there, then then later on, it's like, oh, well, they're trying to destroy our park now. And so now you've got a whole different argument going on. That's why we need a seat at the table. And that's why it's tricky also right now, because there's a lot of confusion out there. First of all, a lot of people because of how this was reported in some outlets and because of how it's being presented in some places, a lot of people will say, oh, I thought the Queen's Way plan was a done deal. The mayor announced $35 million, so I thought this battle was over. The Queen's Chronicle had a headline where I think it said, Tra uh, Trails Beats Rails. I think that was the headline. Um, so people think that the train project is dead because of that. Um, that's a problem. But then you have other people who listen to what the mayor is saying in the city and even the MTA, they're saying, that land should be held for transit and whatever we design is going to be done in such a way where land is held for transit, they're saying, okay, so what's the problem? If the city is saying land will be held for transit, why do you care that a park is coming in? Isn't that all good? And really both of those ideas are faulty and can't be trusted. You can't take that at, at, at its word because yes, it's possible to do this in a way that preserves transit, but we can't just trust that that's going to happen. The transit advocates have to be there. And like Carl said, the people who are approving these designs have to be aware of what's happening. There has to be some kind of engineering knowledge. And it doesn't take an expert. It doesn't take a, a, a master scientist to see this, but there has to be some kind of knowledge here that what you're doing could jeopardize the line for transit if it's not done right. You can't just, you know, we can't just be naive and say, let's build a park. Don't worry about it. It'll be held for transit. No, we know the people who are building this park don't want the train. So that's a problem. Right. So it sounds like that, I mean, they should, before going through with either one, it should go ahead and allocate those spaces with the plan of doing either one with the plan of doing other as well. 
So then it's not taking away from something later. It's no, it's no other fight later. It's like, okay, we're going to, for example, say, oh, we're going to build this park, but this part of the land is always going to be the, the, the train section. Like it's not never going to be like, okay, let's put the park here now. And then it will move a little bit later. Like it, it makes sense. Well, like Carl said, if you look at their designs that they're presenting, it's going to block the train. I mean, their designs are going to make it impossible to get that train in. So the designs need to be reworked entirely. A little league field where the, where connection if you go to the Montauk line, if they haven't reactivated that line, so they didn't even cover themselves over there. You know, there's a uh, park that I think they put on an area where that could cut in. That used to be a track to go from the Rockaway Beach line onto the Montauk line. So they were even... Uh, you know, they're even cutting that data off as well. That's part of the fifth lane too. In the metro, up, I saw that. You know. So, wait, so, so, hold on. You're saying in the Queen's Way plan, they're going I to. I saw affect- a little picture on the Queen's Chronicle of the uh, of the design. I remember seeing uh, something allocated near the area where there was a one track connection between the Rockaway Beach line and the Montauk line, toward going toward Long Island City. And in that area where that track connection was. They also had something over there. I think they had a little league field or something. I don't remember exactly. Right. And and you're saying that would be affected by this Queensway design? No, that, going to straight up it wouldn't be good. But in case that we ever wanted to go the other way, that would that would cut off. In other words, that would cut everything off. Even mm-hmm. even if you wanted to go to, towards Long Island City, if we did, if if you know, God forbid, we couldn't go straight up. You know, like remember it all as an alternate. Right. Foresight. A foresight. Let's say they get approval in a few years to put light rail on the Montauk line and uh, they built the Queenway Park. We couldn't even get a light, a light rail system connected as mm. well into the Montauk line. You know, the Montauk line is between Jamaica and Long Island City. Yeah, right. So we want to be able to keep our options open. That was something that we have looked at in the past as well, which I think should still be on the table because, look, I'm not an engineer. I don't want to say this is what it has to be. I want to leave room for the options to be considered and studied and we can best evaluate how to get this done, how to improve transit, how to utilize this asset. One of the possibilities was to connect the Rockaway Beach line. You could reactivate it up to Forest Park, where Carl said it intersects with the Montauk line and potentially do that. But you don't want to close that path off either by whatever you're building here. In case they build a light rail system. The only issue with that light rail system is... Uh... It ends in Long Island City. It doesn't actually go into Manhattan, but that could be that would require some other changes. Right. You could, well, right. You could change it Long Island City, but that would add more time to the commute. Or it's possible to connect to that tunnel, but it would be more money. Back in the nineties, uh, uh, me and Brendan Reed, uh, we took that line from Richmond Hill Station. Uh, Brent, uh, and uh, we got on the train, and we went to Long Island City. I was working in Midtown at the time. And uh, it was the fastest I ever got. I got to work in 35 minutes in Midtown Manhattan, 44th Street. And Brendan, Brendan in Long Island City, he took the ferry. He was going to some other location where he worked. So I said, I'm taking the 7 train. So I, I, I hopped on the line at, at, at Richmond Hill Station. And in like 20 minutes, I was in Long Island City. And I hopped on the 7 train. I was at work 35 minutes, the fastest I ever got there. Otherwise, from Richmond Hill, where I was living at the time, it took me about, on average, Minimum 55 minutes to 75 minutes. And it, and that was 35 minutes. So I saved the minimum 20 minutes just with the Montauk line. Imagine the Rockwood Beach line. Right. There were people who were unable to get to the rally, certainly on time, because they were stuck in traffic on Woodhaven Boulevard or trying to take the Q53. 
you know, it just served as an example as, as to why we needed this. Someone said from Midtown, I think they said Columbus Circle they traveled from, and it took them an hour and 45 minutes. I mean, think about that from somewhere in Manhattan, Midtown to Rockaway on public transit, an hour and 45 minutes. Right, it's pretty long. With the Rockaway Beach Line, you're talking, if it's done right, it should be well under an hour. If you look at those old train schedules, it's, it's pretty incredible. Long on the railroad would have been faster, but subway being have more frequency than the long on the railroad, it's better to have the subway. Frequency outweighs, um, you know, the, the gains of the rail. Plus, it's more inexpensive to have a subway uh, fare-wise than, than the long on the railroad. So if you get service every, at least every 10 minutes, on the M line, that would be a significant savings. Right, and certainly more affordable for most people. And, you know, part of the rally focused on the idea of transit equity. South Queens is cut off from the rest of the city when it comes to equity in more ways than one. And that would be a way to improve that, you know, or, or address that concern. And you're talking about job creation and everything, but. Uh, it, you know, it is an issue that the Long Island Railroad fare can be prohibitively expensive for, for folks who are already suffering, because let's face it, the way our infrastructure was set up in South Queens kind of puts our backs to the wall. I mean, we're already fighting an uphill battle here because of issues like bad transportation. So we need to be able to get ahead and, and access these assets, right? access this infrastructure that we're trying to create. As you can see, they just built the third track out in Long Island from Floral Park to Hicksville and... Uh... You could, you know, it's 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 95% done. They say it's all done, about 95 to 98% done now. And uh, they put up a construction walls and with sound barriers. And, you know, you don't hear any noise anymore with that or vibrations. So they, they it shows you what could be done. The community didn't want it. There were signs all over Florida Park, New York Park, no third track. But the MTA came up with a better plan where they didn't have to take private property. What they did is they made the center track you know, you got two tracks, right? They made one of the, the track that's in the middle, uh, they made that the center track and just added a, another track where uh, the platforms used to be and moved the platforms over. So they didn't need to acquire property, pro private property. So they did a smart thing. The engineers, they got evaluated. And still the community was against it again, but but the MTA pressured and uh, they finally had, had meetings and dealt with a lot of communities and, and it was approved and now it's all done. In a few matter of like few few years, it's already been done, now complete. But they're not gonna improve the service until later this year, I think December or, or next April, when the other when the Grand Central Connection is finally uh fully uh, oh, so let me ask you this, Carl, to address Jay's question from earlier. Do the politicians out there now get praised for it, even though it won't be ready for a while? Uh, yes, they do. Yeah, now they get praised for it because you know they people see improvements. They they put in a lot of underpasses for the cars. Where you have railroad crossings, so it's a lot of a lot of time savings. I used to, have to sit by the rail by the tracks there, wait ten minutes sometimes for the trains to pass by when they parked at the New High Park station. So now now with underpass on New High Park Road and Culver Avenue, so a lot of people are happy. There's no more traffic bottlenecks, so it, it improved traffic flow as well the cars. That's so. They really did a, a mess, a great job with that. Right. And I'm, I'm glad you touched on that point, Carl, because what I also liked about the rally was people addressed 
why the Queens Link was needed from a lot of different perspectives. Obviously, there's the environmental perspective, getting cars off the road. There's the equity perspective, the jobs perspective. Senator Sanders touched upon the economic advantage. And he talked about building a mega convention center in New York. He said Aqueduct would be the best place to do that. And he said New York is losing money now, revenue, because these mega conventions that are out there. Jay, maybe um, you might know of some of these, because I know you follow some of the Marvel stuff and some of the, I know they did Comic-Con in New York, but some of the mega conventions, he said, aren't able to come to New York because Javits Center isn't big enough to hold them. And if we were able to build something large enough to accommodate them, Aqueduct would be the place to do it. And you would need to have this train line to be able to, to have people be able to get to Aqueduct. And of course, that's going to benefit all of us and, and Howard Beach and the Rockaways and South Queens, because, you know, like he made the point uh, using Rockaway as an example, if you can get from Midtown to Howard Beach, where the uh, aqueduct is in a half an hour, you're talking about just another 10 minutes or less down to the Rockaways. So it's, it's a game changer for everyone. But that could be uh, one way to look at it. You're looking at economic growth, economic opportunity. The train line in itself will bring that. But what about other issues? What about connectivity to the airport and even to a place like Aqueduct, which could house something like a mega convention center? Uh, yeah, I like the idea because uh, convention center at Aqueduct would be good because it's convenient to JFK Airport, convenient to the A line, and it'd be convenient to the Rockaway Beach line. It'd be uh, a major, very good uh, project. Uh, he had a very good idea to have a huge convention center there. Um, yeah, and think about all the jobs too. And, you know, people from South Queens were able to get get access to these jobs. Obviously, they should they should be prioritized in the hiring. We have to make sure that that happened. But there's certainly a lot of opportunity there for us. Get the mayor on the phone. Post haste. <laughs> I was looking for a photo here that I could share. I thought it was kind of funny that Rick Horan actually designed this. Um, if I can find it, I'll put it on my share screen. But he basically gave a preview of what the headline could be if we don't get this right. And maybe it's on my phone. Maybe I can't do it right now. But the headline was uh, Mayor to Queens Riders Take a Hike. Of course, some wordplay there. We like wordplay coming from hip hop, Jay. Yeah, definitely. So, well, it sounds like the fight's not, you know, uh, like you mentioned, even though the, the previous headlines after the um, the allocation, the funds allocation announcement came out. Um, it sounded like the fight was over, but uh, it sounds like it is not and should not be. Very much the case. And shout out to the wave who was there covering it because they quoted me saying for those who think the fight is over, it is not. So we're looking forward to their coverage on Friday. The Rockaway Times as well should have something Thursday on it. The Queen's Chronicle was there, which was surprising to me because I usually don't cover Rockaway events. They usually defer to the local Rockaway papers, but the Chronicle was there. AM Transit was there. We had Passengers United who covered it and they put a video up on their YouTube page. By the way, on that point, we are doing a town hall as actually here is, you guys can see. Thursday. Yes, but here real quick, you can see there the breaking news, Mayor of the Queen's Riders take a hike. You see that? On the screen, um, the picture. Don't see the. Um, oh, yeah, see yeah. On the, on yeah, the there by the boardwalk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you you mentioned the 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 Queens Queens Chronicle showing up um, as they as they tend to cover other parts and, and less about the Rockaways. Um, in the chat, Vladimir said that Queens Link would also benefit Northern Queens. Also, so what's their intake? 
So, I mean, that could be a part of why they're they're paying attention as well, because this would benefit more than just the Rockaways. It would benefit Queens as a whole. Right. And that's a good point. And I think that touches on a larger point. Number one, when we talk about the money, $35 million being allocated, we haven't seen that yet. And as far as we're aware, it actually hasn't been allocated yet. So the mayor announced $35 million, but where is it? We were told it might be part of the supplemental budget that gets voted on in November, which the city council would have to approve at that point. But even if they did, okay, so there's money to be allocated, then there's rezoning because you have some of that land zone for most of it, zone for transit right now. And so there's a, a lot of, of process that would need to be followed. And traditionally in the city council, when it comes to issues of rezoning, they defer to the local council member whose district it is. So let's say someone wants to put in a strip mall or parking or whatever, and some zoning would have to happen. The city council votes on it as a body, but they all tend to vote with the member whose district it is as a matter of courtesy. Well, we're trying to say at this point, if we get to that point where some zoning changes would have to occur, we don't think the council should defer to the member whose district this park is in because you're just talking about a small section of a line that goes through multiple council districts and a project in the Queens Link that would affect the entire city. So I don't think this project should be looked at as a, what, there's an echo here. I don't think this project should be looked at as a one district or one area issue. I think it should be looked at as a, a citywide issue that the entire city weighs in on. So yes, I am glad the Queens Chronicle was there, maybe signaling this is much more than a Rockaway issue, but I think that we need to look at the project this way. This isn't about, you were a Forest Hills issue, right? I mean, that's how they're gonna try to look at it when it comes to this park. They're gonna say, only look at people or the member in Forest Hills wants. First of all, let's ask the people who live in Forest Hills what they want. But more than that, let's ask the entire city what it wants, because this is gonna affect everybody. Right. Um, there's another question that came up. Would the Queens Link connect to the Interborough Express that the governor mentioned earlier this year? So those are two separate projects. We support both of them. I don't think there's a connection there. Maybe with the, well, what, if you use the M line, when the M line stops at Roosevelt Jackson Heights, it could be connected. Yeah. Well, we support both. And in fact, when it comes to the IBX, the chair of the MTA said that he loves that project because it's an existing right of way. So we put the pressure on him and said, well, what about the Rockaway Beach line? That's also an existing right of way. And that's when he said, yes, he likes that as well. It's just not his decision because the MTA doesn't own that. So the city has to weigh in on that. But that's when he, the, the MTA really said, we're telling the city to hold this for transit as well while we look into this project. So that was promising. But again, it's about pressure, political pressure. We need a champion. We need the governor and the mayor to champion this project because I don't think the MTA is liable to do it on its own without that political pressure. Um, yeah, I was thinking um, another possible connection with, with, you, with that question, the IBX, if somebody got off at Broadway Junction and, and got on the A-line, they would have a connect they, and take the A-line east to um, you know, either Rockaway Boulevard or, or Aqueduct, they could transfer. Or if there's a stop, they connect the Rockaway Boulevard station to the line or the uh, 102nd Street station or the Liberty branch to the line, there would be a connection to the uh, Rockaway Beach, but it'd be through another subway connection. 
That's a very good point because when the MTA looked at the feasibility a couple of years ago, they estimated 47,000 daily riders, but they weren't taking transfers into account. And other studies that were comparable did in fact do that. So that's really a low ball figure. If you look at the transfers and the possibilities that are out there, I think you're talking about a lot more people using it because now you're just making the system a lot more interconnected than it is now. So I wanna bring up, since we're sharing screens, let me try to find this flyer. I started talking about it a few minutes ago, the Queensland Town Hall that's happening on Thursday with Passengers United. Uh, let me see, I think I shared it on my Twitter feed if I can pull it up. You know, it's really good to get other transit groups involved as well. You know, it's really a coalition that we need to get this done. And right. we need people talking about this. And in fact, there were some people who came from other parts of Queens to the rally, which was very promising as well. Yeah, here we go, I'm gonna pull this up. The, we had people from Regal Park, from Forest Hills, people who, even, even people who may not directly benefit from the line, people from Brooklyn and other places, but they're just in support of better transit throughout New York City. And they wanna see the city modernized, our infrastructure modernized, our, our transportation system modernized. And they're advocating for this. And that's what we need. I think we need people coming together from all stripes, no matter what your interest is. You know, we can be united by this common interest of better transportation. All right, let me um, put this on the screen if I can. Can we see this? Mark your calendars. Passengers United is hosting a town hall on Thursday, October 13th at 7.30 p.m. And this is going to be a Zoom, so you should see the Zoom information on the screen. There's a meeting ID and a passcode. For those listening, the meeting ID is 841-0872-8947, passcode 730-260. But if you need that, again, you can go on the Queenslink page. It's on my Twitter, even Mike G. Scott. It's also on Passengers United social media, so you can get, it, get that information. If you can join us via Zoom on Thursday, that will be helpful as well. Now, Jay, I think you were asking about next week's guest potentially? Um, no, I know you brought up that uh, it triggered um, when um, Carl mentioned the, the noise on the previous uh, segment we were talking about. It triggered that idea, that the idea from the article you were talking about, about the engineer who wanted to redesign New York City to make it less noisy. So I didn't know if you wanted to bring that up or not. Yeah, we can bring it up. In fact, but, uh, publicist, say it again. You're saying the guy, but that's the guy's coming on next week. So, right. Yeah. So a publicist reached out to me to, I think it was a publicist, but I got a message on LinkedIn asking if I wanted to have uh, a guest on the show who just actually wrote an op-ed in Daily News about making New York City less noisy. And there's a book that they're putting out. So I guess they're trying to promote this book. But I said, sure. I grew up in Rosedale and I live in Howard Beach now. Grew up on the east side of JFK, live right to the west of JFK now. So I've been dealing with airplane noise my whole life. And it, they're saying it is possible. There are things that we can do to make the city less noisy. And yeah, when it comes to this issue, we could talk about that as well. Maybe we'll get into it more next week, but there's light rail. I mean, there's better trans there's better technology now that if we're building these infrastructure projects, we can do them in a modern way, which isn't as noisy and clunky and expensive and you know, all those uh, those things. Someone mentioned at the rally that they lived in Regal Park and they wanted to hear more about homeowners who lived along the line. How would they be affected? And um, 
that is something that needs to be looked at. We certainly want yeah. to do whatever we can to mitigate any potentially negative effects here. And I think that's very possible. I mean, I think we can do this in a way that isn't too invasive or an inconvenience for people who live close to it. And ultimately people's property values on average are gonna go up. We've seen that studied time and time again, that when you live close to your transportation hubs and better transit, you get more money for your house. So that's something to keep in mind as well. But we are aware and sensitive to the idea that there are people who could be inconvenienced or worse if this isn't done right, which is another reason why we need to make sure we do it right, both in the way it's studied and the way it's designed before we just start digging up the ground and building stuff, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, living with that, that airplane noise in, uh, in Rosedale. Um, when I was young, we were military and uh, our house was right off of the flight line for the military. So every time those planes took off and landed, like we, we could hear it. So I, I mean, literally when I say off of the flight, then I'm not talking about like, you know, Valley Stream to or Rosedale to, to JFK. I'm talking about you hop over the fence and, you know, 50 feet, 100 feet, there's the flight line. So yeah, I know that noise well. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's funny in Howard Beach, you don't hear the airplane noise as much as you did in Rosedale. It might have to do with the flight paths. Maybe they approach from the, the water side and go over Rosedale. I'm, I'm not exactly sure how that's done, but mm. it does seem a little, little bit more quieter on the Howard Beach side. Mm. So yeah, those things just all need to be taken into consideration for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I just hate that New York City seems so behind the times in all these areas. And you read articles about what's going on around the world and they're modernizing their cities. Why aren't we? Why are we so damn behind on everything? Mayor Adams said that we're no, no longer going to be the city that says no. We're going to start saying yes. Well, don't just say yes to a park within a park. Say yes to these big ideas that we have. Say yes to better transportation. Let's do it. Where, you know, yes where's the ambition? Lower, say yes to a lower cost of living. <laughs> Yeah, but something like this could lead to a lower cost of living. I mean, it's it's just a way of improving our economy and improving our livelihoods. That you know, the rally that we did had jobs in the title. It was equity and jobs. You know, that's that's an important piece of this too. Right, right. Looks like Carl had something he wanted to add there. Yeah, with the um uh, Right now. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Well, Carl, let me ask you, I mean, you've obviously been a fighter on this issue for longer than us. What do you think has to happen next in terms of building the public support or just building the political support or the political capital to get this done? If the Queen's link is to be built, if transportation is to return to the Rockaway Beach Line, what happens next? Well, I think, I think, uh, Senator James Sanders, what he mentioned with the uh, convention there was a good uh, step. Also, the uh, nearby is the resorts uh, casino. Um, that might, you know, they may also take an interest in this. So if we get the, uh, the convention center and the resorts to work with Senator Sanders and also the governor's office to try to push this, I think that those two, those two components, uh, those two economic engines would, would be a big help to get this uh, passed. And then uh, regarding the noise, this is what I wanted to say. Sound barriers, we could do a tour of the dirt track between Floral Park and Nashville 
I'm very familiar with the area. I could give a tour one day on a weekend and you could see the sound barriers they, they put up and we could talk to the neighbors there. That yeah. houses about, I could show you people that about the houses. I'm not sure if they'll be out on the streets to talk to, but you know, we might be able to catch a couple of people and ask them about the sound. There's a few areas in Floral Park um, where there's the Hempstead line on one side behind houses on the um, on uh, the street is called Stewart Street. Along this, along the south side of Stewart Street, their house is about the Hempstead line. Along the north end of Stewart Street, their house is about the other line, the uh, Port Jefferson line, I guess, the main line. So, you know, we can ask those neighbors uh, if they have any uh, uh, problems with noise and uh, vibrations and things of that nature. And how how has the bird track project improved that? Because I see now uh, on the main line uh, behind those houses, they have a, uh, what do you call it, construction barriers, you know, like, uh, and you sit the sound barriers. So they're, they're very heavy duty. These are real, really heavy duty concrete. It's up to, you know, like, I don't know how many feet high, maybe about 12 feet high. So, you know, could ask those neighbors on along those right of ways, um, how that, how the noise has improved uh, after the dirt track project and before the dirt track project. So they can see, um, they could hear it right from the horse's mouth that yeah. there's not going to be that would a lot be of valuable. That would probably be valuable input. I mean, you, you get that uh, before and after perspective. Yeah, from, from the right. people on the third track. So right. Like and it's a reminder that we're not trying to reinvent the wheel here. I mean, maybe we are because we're getting cars off the road. But in all seriousness, this is not a novel project. You know, people have been, people work on transportation upgrades in one form or another all the time. Let's ask other people, all, you know, all these concerns people have about the Queenslink, how has it affected others when it's happened? Anything similar has happened someplace else. No leads, whatever. There were signs on people's lawns, no third track, no third track. Now it's all done. Now we need to hear what they say now, now that it's finished. If they're happy- That's a great idea. Yeah. And that really goes back to my larger point of engaging the public, asking what people think. Because if people speak on this, what are they going to say? They're going to say, give us better transportation. Ask the most people, right? Get them involved. But this is politics. I mean, the people who are in office have to see that it's not only what people would want, but it's what they do want and they're demanding because that's when it starts to affect their elections. If it's quiet, like the train we want to build, it's not going to make a difference. Yeah, like Charlton suggests, uh, did a tour of the Elmont Station on Passengers United. Do we? think about a week ago, and I, you know, I made some comments that he was mentioning that after they built the station, the, uh, the, the Long Island Railroad didn't do enough on the other side, uh, the Barrows Terrace side of, of the station. Well, you, you know, they, maybe they felt they didn't have to. They just put up the station. But now, you know, I told them they need to contact the people from Barrows Terrace, need to contact their elected officials and, and the, you know, the town of Hempstead, because it's not an incorporated village to get to get whatever amenities they want on that side of the station, because that station was in it the last minute. It wasn't part of the original third track project. So, you know, so I'm just right. saying when, when, when they, they just did it because of the UBS Arena, USB, UBS Arena, they added that Elmont station as a supplement to the Belmont Park station they originally had. Right, and there you go, that's, that's a good point. So they did it for the arena. So why can't we do it for resorts, especially if we want right. to upgrade resorts? They can do it for a UBS arena. Why can't they do it for resorts in the convention center? If they, you know. 
So I wanted to put up the Queen's Link website on the screen for those watching the video of this. We do have a petition on there. The site is thequeenslink.org. And if you want to lend your support to this cause, please sign our petition. We're also looking for volunteers, people who could help spread the word. You know, I want to do some organizing in Forest Hills because we hear a lot of the political opposition comes from up there. But I truly believe in my heart that most people in Forest Hills would be for better transportation themselves. So if we can have Forest Hills for transit, let's get more than just the Rockways. We want to start in the Rockways because it's supposed to the Rockway Beach Line. People have been fighting there for a long time. I knew myself we would have a big turnout there. And I knew that we would be able to show that unity amongst Rockway residents and politicians and, and community leaders, which was great. But now we need to take this fight elsewhere. Could you imagine if we had an event like this all the time, every month, every two months, whatever it was, all over the place, all throughout Queens and, and then the city? And then we were at all the community boards, all the meetings, I mean, Queens Link everywhere. That's what we need to do. We need to really rally the public support in more ways than one behind this plan, because I truly believe it is a smarter plan. And if the mayor knows it and sees support behind it, I do think the mayor will get behind it. Same goes for the governor. But Again, it's on us to make that happen. We can't sit back and wait for them. Some people say this is a no-brainer. It's common sense. Why isn't it being done? Unfortunately, the way the world works, it's up to the people who are fighting for these things to make that abundantly clear for everyone. Right. Absolutely. But the station of Forest Hills would be at Metropolitan Avenue. So maybe we'd get the businesses along Metropolitan Avenue to support us too. And, and the residents around there as well. Because it's, right. as you go further north, we didn't propose any stations north of Metropolitan Avenue, so uh, Forest Hills. Right, and we did have, by the way, Civic, so obviously Community Board 14 was there, Dolores Orr spoke on behalf of the board, their meeting is tonight, actually, but Civics as well, and it was good to have Civics from both sides of the peninsula presenting, saying they supported this. I mentioned students, I really do think we had a very broad coalition, which is what we need. We should do this in Far Rockaway also, because you know, unfortunately, the way Rockaway is, if you do something even on Beach 92nd Street, which is really the middle of the peninsula, a lot of people see that as the west side and people from the east feel excluded. So we got to do an event in Far Rockaway as well. We get we got to, you know, keep this going. Let's do let's go to Forest Hills. Let's do one right outside Lynn Shulman's office. I, I'm down. Let's do it on the tracks. Even let's do it. You know, do a press conference right on the tracks. I think we need to do more of that, more visibility on this. We are going to be wrapping up shortly. Jay, did you want to get into the marijuana issue briefly? You said there were pardons that you wanted to mention. Um, yeah, I mean, that was the big news. And we've talked about uh, marijuana legality um, a few times here um, on the show. And so this, this past week, Biden came out and um, made a pretty, you know, a pretty bold statement. Um, that um, he wants to overhaul the U.S. marijuana, marijuana policy and uh, he was pardoning people for simple marijuana possession. Um, but then, of course, it's at the federal level. Um, and he wanted That's the to... That's key here. Right. And he wanted to try to get that um, moved down to the states as well. Um, so he was you know, urging uh, the people that need to do these things to, to take this action, but he was doing it at the, at the federal level. And so it was, you know, pretty significant in, in that announcement. Um, I know some people kind of criticized it because um, like, you, like you said, like uh, that's key is that a lot of simple possessions might've been at the state level. So it wouldn't have really made any effect 
making this announcement for the federal level and this was just kind of posturing for the midterms, but well, I think it's a good step. It's symbolic and you would need the governors to pardon prisoners at the state level. But I think they should, if we're moving towards legalization, I don't think people should be held behind bars for committing yeah. an, an act that's no longer criminal, no longer a crime. I think it makes sense. Right. Um, and so officials had said, the senior administration officials said more than 6,500 people uh, could be affected by, by these pardons, um, these people with prior federal convictions. So, so I think it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good step, um, you know, because, you know, as you know, the way, you know, we've got legalization in a lot of places, I think New York as well, um, but it's this weird kind of uh, swamp that we kind of exist in where there's legalizations at a lot of places at the state level, but it's still criminal at the federal level. And so really, it's like at any moment, someone could come in and be like, hey, no. Well, it's not really legal. It, right. It's right. The law does trump state law. So as long as it's illegal federally, and that's really what needs to happen. If you're really serious about this, change right. the federal law as well, which easier said than done. It can't unilaterally be done. You need legislation. And, and the funny thing is now he's saying that he wants governors to do it, but we're so polarized right now that even if there's a governor who would want to do it, he probably wouldn't do it if, if he's, let's say, a Republican who doesn't want to piss off his base just because the president is a Democrat and said to, said to do it. That's where we are. And, and you could tie that back to the train issue as well. I mean, I've, I don't want to get too deep into that, but you've, we've met with people and they said, well, some of your supporters are, you know, let's say not in agreement with the mayor or a certain officials politically. They don't see eye to eye on other things. And that could hurt you when you endeavor to bring the train back. So you would think people will look at everything just on the merits of the issue. That's kind of what we're elected to do when we get into office. But politics is everywhere, right? I mean, it plays a role in everything, especially when you're talking about politicians who are fighting for their jobs and unfortunately tend to prioritize their reelection over serving the people. I think that's a damn travesty, but it happens all the time. So it is, it's a problem that we deal with, right? Doing what's right, trying to get to what's right, but trying to get over that obstacle of politics and extreme polarization that we have now. Right, absolutely. So there's definitely been some pushback a little bit on this announcement from uh, the Republican side. And, you know, like I said, with the polarization, I think, I think even if they agreed with it, it's just, they, they can't let Biden get a win. Um, and, and I think that's that's kind of to the detriment of the whole country when they look at the the, the other part person or politician working on an issue and they say, well, I'm going to oppose this because I don't want that person or that party to get a win. But ultimately, the win is for the people. And so the people are the ones that suffer for that type of mentality. And that's another reason why we have to rally the public support behind these issues. Have the people focused on the issues, because if the people in office are responsive to being reelected, then the, the most direct way to do it, obviously some try to influence them with campaign contributions, which is a whole different discussion, but the most direct way to do it, especially when you're dealing with an issue that uh, so many people could get behind, is to make noise on the issue because then wow. they're gonna respond to that. They can't ignore that. Even if they think, oh, wait a minute, there's a politician up here who's from a different party that can make me look bad. They're, they're going to be mostly concerned about not winning elections, not being supported by the people who are demanding this, right? That if, if, if you have enough people speaking on it, that will trump these other factors. Right. So, well, let's see where this goes. Any thoughts on that, Carl? On that issue? Well, um, the, um, 
the only, the only issue, um, you know, I, I guess it's a it's a good idea on that, you know, on that on that front respect to the correct, you know, they've already been decriminalizing all the states now on the federal level would be good. And, um, you know, um, to, uh, you know, I just think, uh, what about um, now that now that it's legal on the federal level, what about like rights of people that, you know, that don't smoke? Should there be certain areas of the park where you could smoke and not smoke the stuff? Sometimes, you know, just a question on, on, on that. Um, it, it, that hasn't been looked at. I don't think that yet. You know, because some people may get annoyed. Say people are, are jogging and exercising, they may want want somebody like uh, smoking pot near them while they're. You know, should there be some right. like? Well, but just just to be clear, it, it is not legal at the federal level, at least not yet. Oh, not yet. Um, but they are pardoning people at the federal level for simple possession offenses. But I think that's a, a good point. And we see that tension happening, even when it comes to smoking cigarettes. And there was some controversy when, was, remember, remember there was a regulation that people couldn't smoke cigarettes in their apartments, in the projects. And you know some people flipped out on that. And I do think that that's an interesting question to start looking at because it's your right as just a private individual to do something that's lawful. Smoking is lawful, so you should be able to do it. But what happens when it starts to intrude on other people's rights to be smoke free if that's what they want. Right, yeah, interesting question, yeah. Well, right, uh, same with cigarettes, yeah, the same thing. Yeah, like when I was younger, I, I did smoke, but now that I don't smoke now, it bothers me. So, you know, when I was younger, I smoked, you know, smoked cigarettes, whatever. And uh, at the time, you know, I didn't think anything of it, but now, now the secondhand smoke bothers me. So, so if somebody secondhand, I smoke in the house, I usually wait outside, just, you know. Yeah, and I think it's, a, it's it's an even with with cigarettes, uh, it's even more of an issue because the secondhand smoke um, there, you know, there are tens of thousands of people every year who die of cancer because of secondhand cigarette smoke, whereas you don't get that with marijuana, but it still would be that annoyance um, or that it is to want to remain smoke free and not have that stuff put into your lungs. Right. So that's the only but I think it's good that they're decriminalizing it. Uh, well, people. Yeah. yeah, it's funny philosophically too, because we tend to think about the right to do something. We don't tend to think about the right to refrain from something or not to do something. I mean, you could even tie that to the Queen's link. You know, we were told that, you know, a certain elected official only studies projects that are uh, being done to, see, to, to look at their effectiveness. But what about studying not doing them and how ineffective or inefficient we are by not doing something? I mean, you know, right. we, we only we tend to focus on doing something like the right to smoke. OK, but what about the right of everyone around you who, who might not want that? Do they have any rights also? But right. as a society, like we're not wired to think that way, maybe because it's just how America is. Right. It's like that rugged individualism. I don't know. Think it out loud. But it's kind of how we think of things. Right. Just like the right to do something. And not necessarily, okay, what about other people who might not want that done to them? Right, absolutely. So I guess we're about at our time here. We'd like to wrap up, let's see. Well, that's nice. I got a, got a virtual hug. I posted something on my social media called Unite for Transit with a, a former city council opponent, actually Bella, we had her on here. Few weeks back and she came to the rally so shout out to her we posted a picture showing unity 
you know, kind of playing off that theme of everyone standing together for this. So you had two former political opponents. I got a message. Uh, I guess it's a virtual hug. This is the best I could do since you live so far away. I appreciate that. That's what's up. Coming, coming together on, a, on an issue for the, for the community is, is always a good thing. Yes. And again, it's, you know, people over politics, right? Focusing on the issue, focusing on doing what's right. That's really how our system should work. And too often it doesn't. But I think we should strive for that. Right. So on that note, Carl, we'd like to give our guests the last word. We call it the bottom line. Anything you want to say about what we talked about or beyond that, just to kind of leave our viewers and our listeners with parting words. What is the bottom line? Um, let's see. Uh, we'll fight to the Queen's link to the end. Very to the point and succinct. Yes. Very definitive. Absolutely. Yes, I like that. The fight lives on. We don't give up the fight. And it's really in the people's hands. So let's, as a people, demand that the people in power listen to our needs and are responsive to us. So. Absolutely. Thank you, Carl. We couldn't have had a better guest this week as we continue to fight for the Queens Link and better transit for everyone. Thank you so much. Uh, last thing, James jumped in and said, no poll question this week. Oh, okay. So, Jay, why don't you speak to that? Because we, I think we're going to reuse our poll from last week, right? Um, yeah, we can use the, the poll question from last week. Uh, there was some issue getting it, uh, getting it ripped or getting it up. And then, um, yeah, so we're going to, the same poll question from last week. Uh, so um, look out for that. It will also be on um, the YouTube uh, in the YouTube shorts as well. And you'll see it in, of course, the stories and things that we post up over the week. Right. So, OK, so as we wrap up here, Jay, why don't you also tell us where people can find us? Absolutely. So uh, as some people know, after this uh, broadcast ends here. We uh, get the audio up and it goes to the podcast. So wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, whatever, um, Nuance with Mike Scala and Jay Carter will be there. You can uh, subscribe and get it automatically pushed to your device. Uh, also, we have a YouTube channel. Go there and the video will be posted up there as well as the polls and certain bits. So subscribe to that channel. And uh, if you want to continue the conversation, you've got any type of comments, that would be the best place to do it. Excellent. Thank you all for checking us out and we will catch you next time.